Father Long Legs, you know me, Daddy T. This is You Can Tell Me Anything. I'm Teresa Lee. This is the end of the year clip show. Um, now it's been three years, but the first one, yes, I admit, started out of me forgetting to book people over the holidays and realizing I should release an episode and um, scrambling. And I'm not saying I'm not scrambling now, but now it's uh, I do like doing it. It's a nice retroactive way to look through the year. So if you missed any episodes, I've I've put together some of my favorite clips over the year, and of course, it's, uh, there's many other great clips and great episodes, but just to save your time, I've just selected 10. Um, before we get into it, I'm going to make a couple quick announcements. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which is New Year's Eve, you can buy a ticket to see my New Year's show at 3 p.m. Right, that doesn't give you much time, so hopefully you follow me on social media and already know about it, but... Uh, if you want to come to my show, I'm doing every joke I wrote on in 2020, every stand-up joke. I'm not counting tweets. I'm not a monster. And it's on Zoom live at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I'm most likely going to record the audio and put out like a little quote-unquote live album. So come if you want. Uh, the URL is in my bio at Larissa T or on TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows or tinyurl.com slash everyjoke2020. So many links. You can find it. You can, I trust you. You're, you guys are smart. All right. The other thing I want to say is I started an OnlyFans. I'm pretty sure if you guys follow me, you know this. Um, I know I have a super confidant newsletter and I know a few of you from the newsletter have joined the OnlyFans. So I want to make it easy. Um, OnlyFans is new. I'm starting a new journey to see what happens. I'm trying to play around with experimental content like video essays, poetry, things like that, that don't quite fit into stand-up or this pod. Um, but if you are a super confidant, thank you so much, uh, and you sign up for the OnlyFans, um, let me know, and I, I can put you on the super confidant newsletter for free. I just want to send the newsletter to people on OnlyFans who don't want it, but you don't have to, like, send me the newsletter cash and OnlyFans, if that makes sense. So there's a few of you I know, so let me know. I'll put you on the list. It's it's all going to help me run <laughs> the content. So that's very, uh, so thank you so much for everyone who did that. But it's onlyfans.com slash Teresa Lee and I'll be putting content on there. It's pretty self-explanatory, you'll see it. But it's a video essays uh, similar to the stuff I did at Cracked. So if you like the mushroom video or my, you know, Cracked Explains or videos where I dissect pop culture, it's gonna be more like that, a little more researched, like my Hillsdale article, um, less traditional stand-up. And finally, I just want to give a shout out to a few confidants. Thank you guys so much for reaching out. Uh, Mandy wrote, I love your podcast, Daddy T. My real life friends don't like talking about feelings, so I'm glad I have your pod to get my feels fixed. Oh, this is really sweet. Um, yeah, it's hard to talk about feelings. I honestly don't think my friends like it when I talk about my feelings either. But I keep doing it. So I don't know. Um, I'm glad that it's helping you, Mandy. Thank you so much. And then an email from Confidant Therese, which I love because it's half of my name. I hope I'm saying your name right. That's what my dad used to call me is Therese. Um, so Therese Sancha. Uh, I probably shouldn't say her full name. We'll blink that out. Therese. Sorry. You did say Therese. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out. Okay. Wait. This next. Thank you to Confidant Therese, which I love because it's half of my name, Teresa. Therese said, hey, just want to repeat what others are apparently saying. I listen every week. Your pod has helped me through the pandemic. Thank you. If I wasn't exhausted, I'd write more. Winky face. Oh, that's really sweet. I really like, I, I say this every time, but I really like hearing from you guys. So I'm glad. Um, and I'm sorry that uh, you're exhausted. Me too. I get it. <laughs> 
Okay. Let's get into the clips. This, I'm going backwards. Okay, this is, and they're not really in order, but I low-key put them in order. Um, this first clip is from Ify Nwadiwe, all the way back from April 2020, you know, the very beginning of the pandemic. We talked about Miyazaki films. I really liked this conversation because he talked about being a dad and also how he's teaching his daughter to sort of have this, like, full world view of, you know, people aren't good or bad, but they do good or bad things. And then we get into Miyazaki films and how there's no villains. I really like what he had to say about that. And then discussing what it's like to be the only person of color in a writer's room. So here's that. In Miyazaki <laughs> films, like the the kind of asshole characters, they're just assholes and that's it. Like they never get their <laughs> comeuppance. Every time in like American media, if someone's a dick to the main character, at some point in the movie, something has to happen to them that either makes them figure out they're cool or they get in trouble. But like in uh, Totoro, that girl, uh, the, 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 the boy who's like really mean, but you can tell he kind of has a crush. No, uh-huh. Nothing happens. Like it literally his last scene is him like, ignoring the fact that they came to the door <laughs> um and then in kiki's delivery service that bratty girl who kind of like is shitting on her just has this party and shits on her grandma's food and then like is just an is, is just mean like like it's she's never has this coming around moment where she's like you are cool and i like that because that is real life in real life you're gonna have mm-hmm. shitty people and there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to make them all of a sudden like you. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to that's gonna make them get their comeuppance. You just do your thing because they're just on the sideline. And I think that's the bigger takeaway that I think um, is the difference between Western media and like the Miyazaki films is, uh, you know, people who dislike you or disagree with you are always – uh, an, a roadblock opposition in American mm. media and Miyazaki they're just on the sidelines and you don't have to you you just have to ignore the, what they're saying and I think that's true <laughs> is that's how we should always look at our haters is they're just on the sidelines they're not in your way and if they if they are if your hater happens to be a gatekeeper we need to understand there's multiple gates and yeah. you just gotta go around them oh I've never thought about that way but that's so interesting and you're so right because um like in every movie even in the western ones like villains are you know if you were to flip it like just the protagonist in their story because technically like we're talking about there's no such thing as good or bad there's definitely good or bad actions and there's things that hurt people yeah but if you were to you know really break it down a lot of heroes make mistakes and but that's sort of part of their journey even like um the uh what's that later the latest wreck it ralph um at the uh mm-hmm. it's the number two or whatever at the end the little girl um she or there was like a moment in it where basically her and ralph like do something where in real life if that happened like sh- i think he sabotages her life in a way it's like if a friend yeah. did that to me in real yeah. life like that's like a you're no longer my friend you're cut out forever like that's really shitty but in the movie yeah. world because we already are told that they're the hero they can make up and understand like why they did it but that's a villain move, yeah. you know, and a lot of heroes do villain moves. Oh, yeah. In Disney movies, we're just told it's okay because they're the hero. Whereas what you're saying, it's like. Yeah, if you just understand a- them. Yeah, I mean, these assholes, like, they're complex, right? In life, I mean, they're maybe in this moment, like, we don't, we're not rooting for them, but they're probably, there's probably a reason behind that. And so it's not about, like, smushing them or, like, uh, eliminating them for the hero to thrive. It's about the the hero's journey is to figure out themselves and how they interact with their world, not getting rid of all the haters. 
which weirdly kind of ties yeah. into what's happening in our country now. I mean, not to get too political, but I feel like a yeah, lot yeah, of times on Twitter, people um, who can't talk to each other are just all about like owning the other team. So it's not really about yeah. them growing. It's just about like, as long as you're suffering and your own, then I'm good. And it's like, that is very Disney. Yeah. So that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Oh yeah. I, I know. It, it, it was something that, uh, I know I subliminal, subliminally, subliminally, mm-hmm. subliminally held for a long time because I remember I was writing for this show and there, and essentially, um, like there's these, if you, if you haven't noticed any video that goes viral, there will be some like site like Juke and Media or whatever mm. who will hit them up and be like, yo, let, can we license this? And then you get money when we license this to people and and so uh anytime a show wants to use like a viral video they're now being kind of extorted for mm-hmm. however much this company wants to get and like on a on an on an ethical level that is wrong because one you know that the 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 company that's taken it is definitely not giving them 50 yeah. 50 we, we know jukin's not giving 50 50 of this of these deals too it's like it's very predatory because you you're only approaching like you're not trying to curate content you're just finding content that a lot of people like owning it mm-hmm. so you can make money off of it and i remember someone explained it to me and i was like oh well they can't get away with it and um <laughs> and then the person was like why not and i go well that's wrong is like yeah but it's legal and then that's when like i was like oh my whole perception of things is like you 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 think that like oh because something is ethically or morally wrong it's necessarily illegal but it's not Hmm. and that's because of this sense of justice that a lot of media puts into us where it's like if you think it's wrong there's a way to put a stop to it but sometimes no (laughs) and that's why i like you need we need more things like Game of Thrones because that's really what the real world is like. For <laughs> not trying to sound all like nerdy, but it's like the real world's game. But it really is. Is like there's a game, just chaos, and everyone's playing. bad. Or yeah. what? What do you mean? Oh, well, just the sense of the. I mean, the idea of Game of Thrones and the reason uh, Ned died so quick is because our concept of the way stories like that work mm. is that as as long as you're honorable and you you do the right thing you're going to succeed which is why he had to die so quick because that is not how things work there is a it's almost the opposite of how things work in real life well it's well there are people in power there is a there is a a system to things and if you try and buck against it just because you think you you have the right one the people in power can just take you out and i think that's the real world in the Mm. sense of there is, uh, there is, I mean, like, let's, let's look at, um, like if you're, if you're working at a job mm-hmm. and, and What's you're, job? and you're no, the first, kidding. yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, and let's, let's just say a corporate job and you're the first person of color there mm-hmm. and you notice that they never really hire a person of uh, people of color and your, your gut instinct would be like, oh, I should bring this to their attention mm. and then then like they view you as a, p- a problem and you pushed out now at the end of that you don't have a job and there's still no uh people of color there mm-hmm. so then let's do another scenario you, you you have a job and there's no people of color they don't hire them and you uh and you know you you ask in an innocuous way you'd be like oh man there's all this and they're like yeah you know just for some reason 
you know, we, 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 we hire and that's all this is like, okay, cool. And then you like work your way up. You, you, you work and you, you get their trust, you get to the, uh, the top and now you're hiring people of color and they can't tell you to stop because they, now they know, because mm-hmm. if they outwardly say they don't want you to do it, then they're in trouble. That's, and that's the difference of the game of Thrones and then doing mm. the Ned Stark way. This next clip is from Mel Owens. I love Mel so much, who um, you guys know if you listen, but we used to be writing partners back in New York, and now she's in L.A. This clip literally makes me laugh every time I hear it, and I can't stop laughing just thinking about it. But she she told a story about how she had to poop on Canal Street. Hilarious, because in hindsight, she's fine. But yes, traumatizing. And then I can't get over the way she talks about it. You'll hear it, but how she looks up hot girl shitting on canal street and how she had a whole plan to um address this because she was going to be so embarrassed when it came out and then when it didn't she was almost disappointed and she says i can't believe i wasn't hot enough to be go viral pooping which i found just so funny it's like so many layers i love mel enjoy this clip what did you did you want to see something before i like searched it in my head i came up with like a whole pr plan like if it went Okay, let's hear this I would plan. Like, I would like, you know, come out and like kind of say like, <laughs> here's what happens. Like, I'm not going to say the restaurant I was at because usually it's pretty good. I don't know what happened today. Um, <laughs> what did then... you have? The eggs Benedict? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benedict, which I haven't had since and never will again. Um, and then I would like to just kind of explain, you know, like this is what happened and I'm thankful for this city and the people in it and <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I was like, I was convinced. I was like, this is for sure. Cause you know, it was like the Lower East Side kind of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. trendy people love having phones. It's our <laughs> culture. People you know? and their phones. God. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, okay, I can turn, I'll try and like turn it into like a piece of like, you know, the woman who helped me. And then, but like this whole plan, like before I even search anything. <laughs> so I think I was like thinking that like I was going to find something on like, like New York post or something uh-huh. that was like this girl. Cause I, the dress I was wearing was like so cute. And like, the shoes <laughs> I, like <laughs> everything was just, it was like, oh it was honestly God. like a prime story for like, uh, for it all. And then I was kind of, then there was like a weird part of me that was like, Oh, that's like kind like, I wasn't like offended. You're disappointed. That, yeah. That like I, wasn't, I was just kind of like, Oh, am I like not hot enough to be hot girl shitting on canal? You know, <laughs> I like, like that. I keep going back to <laughs> that's the thing people are thinking about. Like pretty sure <laughs> there's a couple steps before someone's like, <laughs> like, I don't think someone's like, Hmm, there's a girl's pooping. Is she hot enough for me to report? <laughs> I think, yeah. I don't know if that's what's crossing people's yeah, minds. That's true. That's true. Like, <laughs> This next clip is from Hannah Burner. This is from October, so not that long ago. You guys might remember this. Hannah, who is now, um, she has her own TV show since we've shot this on Bravo called, I believe, Chat Room. So go check that out. Um, but Hannah from Summer House, uh, we talked about how um, the presentation of femininity changes throughout our lives and how there are certain girls that we've known just being around, girly girls, who will judge you for not being feminine, but then spend a lot of time and money and work to make themselves seem more feminine, which I think is, we get into it. It's a little hypocritical to judge others and then change yourself. It's almost as if you don't think you're feminine. But 
we it's not to be judgmental i just really like the way hannah broke it down especially coming from someone who's on tv and has probably has to hear a lot more from others about her looks i think it was really cool for her to share this so enjoy no i was actually on a I was a tennis player, so like oh, okay. my tennis team was so kind of like you're cool for real, not not for money. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Wisconsin. You pay for like, your friends. <laughs> more like athletic. Um, <laughs> but I I, re- I understand that scene. I mean, I, I have like jokes. I, I wasn't really big at NYU, but I, I'm from California, so a lot of my friends at home were. So that's sort of what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up dropping. But um, I do know that world a bit, and I feel like a lot of the judgment that, uh, of fitting in a box came from the other woman and not all of them like some of my best friends I did meet in that world but as a whole like there's this like feeling that like if you don't fit in and we're all working so hard it's like not fair if you get something out of it you know if you get if you start dating someone and you're in a healthy relationship and they accept you it's like oh that's not fair because like you didn't have to hide that part of you you know you're so right I mean also like I will sometimes like because I think I grew up in a, as an athlete, mm-hmm. I just, like, wearing makeup wasn't something that I, like, always did. And I remember, like, even on this reality show, I was on Summer House the first season, like, this one girl who, like, I'm good friends with, and we've, like, our friendships have evolved, but, like, she got a boob job. Like, she has stuff done to her face. She's, like, platinum hair, blonde hair. And she was, like, kind of coming at me for, like, not being feminine enough. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, like, is it your own insecurities that, like, I haven't altered my appearance and I'm just kind of, like, just being me Mm -hmm. and if that's not like good enough for you like you're not trying to fuck me so like why (laughs) why do I care what you think about me that's interesting because the way you described it like at first you're like yeah that makes sense a girl who cares about her looks would do a lot of work but at the base of it someone who says you're not feminine enough but then changed a bunch of stuff about them is showing that they don't think they're feminine enough because they changed a bunch of stuff it's funny because then when I called her out on the show she was like I'm a tomboy like I've been a tomboy my whole (sighs) life and I'm like, I'm just oh, one of the so guys. Like, I just don't get along of... with girls. I don't know why. There's so much drama. She literally <laughs> says I'm, I'm a girl's guy. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to be calm. But yeah, I, I do think like she was projecting her stuff onto me. And I think instead of girls being like, wait, wait, you're not playing by the rules that like society has told us. Be like, okay, let's like start breaking our fucking rules. That's why I did have a tweet in quarantine where it was like, because everyone was, like, not getting their nails done all the time and, like, not getting, like, laser, like, hair removal and, like, not dyeing their hair all the time. And I was like, isn't this nice? Can we all just, like, keep doing this? And, like, people will still like us. Like, I swear. I just hate, like, we already have the wage gap. Plus, we're putting, like, thousands of dollars in a year to, like, try to look a type of way that isn't even natural. I guess I'm just envious that guys can just, like, like, the fact even before I go on stage or before I do, like, a, a serious interview, I have to, like, put a whole face on of makeup. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it pisses me off. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. One time I was, like, because I, I do still, li- like, I think it's okay to be critical of it, but also like it. Like, I, I yeah, I'll admit, yeah. I mean, my hair, people can't see, but people who know me, I, I've dyed my hair, I'm wearing jewelry and makeup. But I also agree with you. Like, we shouldn't have to, but it's okay that we've now... Like, now that that's a system, it, I'm also not trying to be like, well, fuck everything, you know? Oh, yeah. But I, like, I, I sorry, go I ahead. don't like being told what I have to do. Like, yes. like, randomly, I was going to brunch with, like, the guy I'm seeing, and I, like, put on this, like, kind of funky, like, red, pink lipstick. I was super bright, and he's like, why are you putting makeup on? Like, it's whatever. And I was like, I don't know, I just want to feel, like, vibing today. <laughs> Thank you. 
This next clip is from Troy Walker. This was right before the election. Well, sort of. It was August, but we talked about um, how he supports Biden, and it was really fun conversation because this was in the height of how everyone was upset at Biden. And he really gets into why he's a centrist and um, what it's like to move to California as a, a black person from the Midwest and then to talk to Californian white liberals about politics um so I, I really enjoyed this conversation and I, I i felt like uh yeah it was really interesting i guess what i would say is i'm a fucking sort of one of the guys they call centrist <laughs> like well, it's like a like some sort of horrible thing even though i'm not well it, i'm curious be, okay because there are there, i'm curious because <laughs> there are and it's not you're not alone there i mean obviously a lot of people are centrist that's why they're called centrist but i'm curious um because there's to, to clarify because there's like centers who are like this is what i think because i think is the best and then there's centers who are like realists who are like if i were writing the rules i'd make things more extreme but i also know that i want to win and so i actually don't think this is that bad to go down the middle of the road so are you kind of more like anti-extremism or you're a little more like you've seen all the facts and you're kind of like understanding how the system works i'm both okay where did you grow up where did I grow up? Or was it a democratic area? Yeah. Or a, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm black, so we're all like. <laughs> but like, um, uh, <laughs> in terms of like, like, uh, I don't know. Was it a? I mean, I grew up in the Bay, and it was like very democrat. It's almost like you had to actively work to be a Republican. Well, well, but when I, I guess what I mean is when I say, "Oh, I'm centrist," I say that in the sense that the 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 people on the far <laughs> left would say I was a centrist, even though. I feel like I'm a fucking hard liberal and I'm like, how the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, last night on comedy quarantine, you, you said, uh, and I, because you said this, I hope you don't mind me repeating that, that you yeah. actually like Joe Biden. So I think that kind I of defines like what you mean by centrist. Right. Well, I like, guess what I mean is I'm not a very particularly ideological person. Okay. I, I don't really think, I think that a lot of times ideology can yield bad outcomes mm -hmm. because it's dictated by something other than the actual yes. facts and the and reality huh and the, well kind of speaking to the themes you were talking about earlier about understanding all the facts and the reality and being here for it instead of waiting like ideology puts this goal in the future as if you're already there instead of actually doing the steps to get there well yeah i think it's group thinking yeah because i i think it ends up being this thing where it paints this frame on almost every single thing and it's not i just don't think the world works like that and hmm. i think that you know i think it ends up forcing black and white views on almost yes. everything and i don't think that's <laughs> the world i think that people are complicated issues are gray like everything is 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 complicated i think there's lots of things where you push here on the system and it breaks something over here mm -hmm. and ideology tells you push here yeah and well, don't even think about all the rest of the shit i <laughs> i'm um this is interesting because i think a lot of times people describe me as like meek and moderate but by and i used to think i was very much like I have a lot of Libra energy, even though I'm a Scorpio, like, I don't know if you like astrology, but very much balance. They're all about the scale. Um, but recently, like in the last few years, I, because of being in LA and 
constantly having to look at how people look at me, I realized like just by walking in a room, like I am a radical, like I'm already not centrist by like who I am. Like I'm like a queer Asian comedian in mm-hmm. LA, and I'm like a twin and we, like, it's just like, I'm already like, damn, even if I'm the most central view, by default, someone's already categorizing me differently. And that's when I started like just being like, what do I really think? So I actually don't think I'm really anything, but I always vote left. But I, I think that a lot of my views don't always line up with people because I will tweak them to what I feel. Uh, like cancel culture, I'm not a big fan of just canceling everybody, uh, which yeah. I think is a big left thing. But I also, um, I'm curious because I think, so you're a lawyer, right? And you, so yeah. you have a very academic background. And yeah. I also approach a lot of like these issues through a like intellectual lens. I'm curious, like where did you always kind of feel like this growing up or did you kind of develop this through school and debating? Like what do you kind of, or I don't know if you know, but like, it seems you're very sure of your point of view. So I'm curious well, where this developed. I think there are a lot of factors in that. I think that, um, I think that first I'm not from, California and I feel like you know I've only been here five years Uh so I'm from Colorado and I feel like a lot of times I'll talk to people out here and I'll be like have you been (laughs) outside of the world yeah yeah because I'll sort of be like I feel like there's it is sort of this bubble yeah um and it is sort of this thing where I'll be like that's just not that just is not what it's like out there and those that's not, that's just not accurate. Like, I feel like, so yeah. I feel like in part it's informed because like Colorado is an interesting place and it was really interesting to me. Um, a great example was uh, how many, I feel like people that I knew who this is going to get very, very boringly political, but <laughs> I feel like it's sort of, eliminates my point uh i feel like there are a lot of people who i would see on twitter who would be like you know hickenlooper was running against romanoff right and when hickenlooper was running for president everybody was like fuck that guy right <laughs> they were like that that guy that guy is like this he's basically a republican like uh-huh. all this shit and then he beat the absolute shit out of Andrew Romanoff <laughs> in the Democrat primary. And anybody from there could have told you that because I feel like what happens a lot of times here is people will look at states and they'll go, that state's blue. Mm-hmm. It's just, but it's not really that. It's not yeah. like it's, it would be purple if the Republicans weren't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I kind of understand. Cause I've, Feel, like I went to school in New York, which both elite, like California and New York, similar. But I've traveled a bit and I've uh, through comedy and all this. And I, I will admit, growing up in the Bay, I was very much of that like sort of Bay Area liberal, which is like you, you're liberal on cer- certain things, but you're also very naive and uh, honestly a little bit ignorant about a lot of things. Like there's a holier than thou feeling, and I've really worked to, uh, against that. Although I'm sure it's still embedded in me, um, but. I, I understand what you're saying because that, that's the kind of people I grew up with. They they think that by just saying they donate to human rights and they care about human rights, that's enough. But then they'll, you know, be mad at homeless people outside of their luxury building in San Francisco. And you're like, 
they're you're they're oh, also yeah, citizens like, of they're oh, fellow oh. citizens and other um like they're your neighbor literally yeah. un the unhoused people in your city are your neighbors and you're not going to invite them to your like barbecue so like you're obviously not thinking about them as a neighbor but not only that but you're complaining about that so there's like a, this weird disconnect oh, yeah. i see a lot yeah there's a huge like nimbyism among mm -hmm. the like effete liberal like yeah. left but my thing is like this one i'm a democrat because i believe that in the richest country on the face of the planet not just now but in all of human history it makes no sense to ever have anybody who doesn't have food shelter shelter or health yeah. now to me how we get there you know we can figure that out mm -hmm. I, it's not to me it is not necessarily just ripping everything like to me i'm like there are a lot you of you don't want to write write america the way the game of thrones writers ended that show <laughs>we're almost halfway there this next clip is from mav viola you guys might remember this we recorded this all the way back in january i remember this because i was allowed to leave my house afterwards oh what a time um we talked about empathy and how the um little things in life can change how you like view mistakes like she quote unquote bullied a bully but because it made her feel bad she decided not to do that but then we also talked about like well at the time she really was seeking validation so if people had responded well to that would that have made her want to bully more so I think it's really interesting it's sort of like some people it's it's you don't you're not born good or bad and it's just sort of cir circumstances that change how you perceive your actions so enjoy what's going on yeah but yeah. We're talking about empathy. I, I mean, do it kind feel of relates better, because it's sort of like, I'm sure she's grown up and figured out her shit, but like, yeah. Yeah. Her um, actions affected you and your friend. Yeah. So even if she probably had like reasons and stuff going on at home because she was just a child, like yeah. it still affects, affects you guys. Yeah, it does. So, and it still hurt your friend. Yeah. And like, at what point do we know and do we discover whether or not somebody has empathy? Because, mm -hmm. and like, is that the result of her check? Like, could something have been going on in her childhood that was like causing her to act like that? Most likely. Probably, yeah. But. Or is it that she's chemically like <sighs> imbalanced or missing a chip of empathy, like whatever that thing is? Like, how would we yeah. even know that? How do we even. And then, and then for me, like, I was always very empathetic, but what about that situation? Yeah, what it made you so mad that you were like, I'm going to cast aside my being nice yeah for a moment and do this like she was the one she was like the first person that i decided was like evil yeah and it, even in a way you were being like empathetic, empathetic to your my friend. friend yeah and like that's sort of the age where you're developing like you're starting to learn pieces of the puzzle but you like haven't forming alliances puzzle. and like yeah you haven't learned the whole like that your actions might hurt her but you but they're justified because they're helping your friend yeah and so you're still trying to figure that out did you feel any guilt about it? Yes. Okay. Like Before you did it or like after you got in trouble? No. When I was doing it, I felt, I remember feeling really nervous. Okay. But like I had to do it. Like I felt like I like had to follow through and like your do friend this with my you friend. Did this? She did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she thought it was really funny. Uh-huh. And so, and I have always been egged on by funny. Like if somebody sure. thinks I'm funny, I'll just keep beat the horse, you know, <laughs> like to a pulp. Uh -huh. So that, I'm sure that that was a factor. I just don't remember that part of it as well because I'm 
so plagued by the mm. whole thing that like and that I like let my my like <laughs> school down you know what I mean like uh-huh. that whole thing I was like a perfect kid I for all intents and purposes I was a really good kid till that point okay you know like I talked yeah. in class too much stuff like that but sure. like that was the most like deviant thing I'd ever done. You didn't have a track record of breaking the rules. So this right. Was, so you really so went out of your way. It felt really big. Yeah. When it probably, it honestly, I, I remember that that night before my first day of Saturday or before Saturday detention, see, I saw the vice principal at the grocery store and she was buying a 24 pack of beer. <gasps> And I was like so nervous to see her. But as an adult now, I'm looking back on it. I'm like, she probably she doesn't, doesn't even, she was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm just following protocols to my job. Like you're, right. she probably thought it was hilarious. That's so funny. Cause I would think that was funny. Wouldn't you? If like a really good a kid, kid did yeah. something like that, I'd be like, what? She's just like, <laughs> I have to do something and kids are bad all the time. They expect yeah. kids to misbehave. Yeah. It's part of learning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's so funny. It is so really funny. So you did, but you felt all this guilt and uh, it seems like you look like quote unquote learned the lesson. I did. That's yeah. the interesting part to me. Like when thinking about like kids developing, cause you had the original instinct to be like, well, what if I did it bad, a bad thing back to you? But then it didn't really feel good ultimately. And yeah. then so that retrained you, but yeah. some people then continue to doing the bad thing. Cause, cause that makes them feel good. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing. I always am fascinated by like, there's no, um, there's no recipe for like a good or bad person because it yeah. kind of can go either way. Like some people right. are treated terrible and then become the best person. Some people are treated terrible, become a bad person. And people go, oh, it makes sense. But yeah. like, it's what if I hadn't excuse. gotten caught? Like yeah. what if I hadn't gotten caught? How would that ha- have like impacted my development or psyche or. And if everyone cheered you on and. Yeah. Or I just hero. <laughs> enjoyed it and was like, like w- uh-huh. some kids would be some kids, even if it didn't go any further than that, might be like, Ooh, what else can I get away with? You know? <laughs> Okay, we're halfway there. This clip is number five. Wow. This is Nick Nemiroff all the way from January. Um, Nick is one of the funniest, driest people I know because he will just say things with a straight face and um, as if it's not funny, but it'll be like the funniest one-liner anyways. So go watch his Conan set if you haven't yet. But he confessed about lying to his parents about um, uh, a grade and then we really get into it uh, here is a clip where I talk about how I wrote my college essay about lying to my parents and I just it was fun it was a really cool way to frame the internal shift of integrity without any external uh, need for validation so enjoy I actually wrote my college essay about um, lying to my parents and oh, really? I had a different experience than you, but similar like shift, right. like in, an internal shift almost where I did get in trouble, but it was more than just not wanting to get in trouble. I feel like I felt the, like I felt why it was more, it was, be- why it was, was better wrong? to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Which is weird to say because I mean, I guess that is just, um, that's part of growing up, but I think some people don't learn it. So I almost feel lucky that I made that big mistake. Right. Um, yeah, I threw a big party in high school when my parents went to Taiwan and um, I thought I got away with it. I cleaned everything up. I like really like, I mean, kids like broke the gate of our door, but Ooh. I just said there were people who were like were kind of vandalizing. Like I thought I got away with the extent of how big the party was. I think my parents suspect I had people over, but it was like a rager. Like, right. I mean, people broke the gate. Yeah, it was like a golf pros, tennis hoes um, theme party. <laughs> there was alcohol. It was like, a you know high school party yeah um but then 
I lied to them when they said, that, did, did you have anyone over? And I think they knew, but like I wasn't in trouble. And then I read this book. <laughs> this is so corny now as an adult. I read this book, The Kite Runner. <laughs> Do you know that book? Yeah, they made that in it's movie like, as well. Yeah, it's like I, that was a very, like a, very big book. It's definitely been like a bestseller and it wasn't, yeah. Yeah. But I think at the time I had just, maybe I'd just come out. I want to say it was like 2006 or something. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I had no context and I was like so moved by it. And in the book, is that, that even a And that's a book about like someone who throws a high school party, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He throws a, a rager called yeah. Tennis. Oh, no. Um, no, I mean, the book is super serious and uh, totally set in a different world than my world. But there's a big part of it um, is he keeps a secret from a friend. Oh. And he, the guilt kind of eats him up. And somehow that's the part that resonated with me. And after I finished, I was like, I can't keep secrets. I must live in the light. Right. And then so I remember just like closing the book and going to the laundry room where my mom was like washing the clothes. And I was like, mom, I have to tell you something. I threw a party. I lied. Whoa. And it like just came. It was just like I was just overcome with like honesty. I must like I must live this way or I'll be like the, I think the kid in the book is named Amir. Mm. I'll be like Amir. Um, and then, so that's what I wrote my college essay about, Damn, which is very, I don't know, looking back seems so nerdy <laughs> to be like, I threw a party and then I realized it was wrong. Fun <laughs> is bad. <laughs> what did your mom say when you, were they mad at you, your parents? She was not, uh, I, I feel like I did have some punishment, but it, it's weird how memory works. Like, because I... I felt relief being honest. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the feeling of getting in trouble. I think maybe I was like grounded or something. Uh, I don't remember her being very, she didn't like blow up at me, which was what I thought she was going to do. Right. And I was very afraid of that. It's always the anticipation of it is so mm-hmm. much worse than the reality. Yeah. I used to be scared of getting in trouble a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. It's like that feeling of like, well, it's also the shame. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably part of it. Feeling like I'm bad right (laughs) like it sounds silly to say but like i think a lot of kids have that it's i wish like parents knew how to like i don't know because i think they're just doing their best they want you to be a good adult so they want to teach you as a kid but when you're a kid and you don't know what's right and wrong and you're just trying to figure it out there's a lot of shame because sometimes you do something that you don't quite know why it's wrong Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh that's wrong yeah, and then you feel shame, mm-hmm. even though you're like, because it comes from a place of wanting, right? Like, if I, I wanted to have friends, I wanted to hang out, so I did the party. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I wish there was a way for people to teach their kids how to address their wants more healthily without just being like, this is restricted. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. Um, <laughs> I think we'll figure it out, though, within <laughs> well, the like next your brother five minutes. coming to talk to you, I feel like that was more middle ground, like him trying to... Addre- Offer the opportunity. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah i don't know i don't know what it is because i don't think the answer is to just be like don't ever play video games you have to get straight a's because like that's not realistic for everybody no no i think yeah but there's a world where it's like hey if you're really not doing well come talk to us and then we'll figure it out right yeah yeah to their credit i think that was what they offered at the end and i was like (laughs) and then you're like no (laughs) i was like i'd still rather play video games (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, it paid off because you did Conan, so. Right. I would not have been able to do that without the great shame, the shame. <laughs> that I have that has built up my comic oh uh, my persona. All right, y'all.
y'all. We're almost there. This next clip is Vivian Martinez from July 2020. So right in the middle of the summer, the pandemic. This was right when I was getting super into the singularity. I'm not saying I'm not into it now, but I was like really in it. So Vivian is a comedian, but she um, has a lot of experience in tech and software and all that. So we talked about programming and she gave me some insight about how AI works and how machine learning adapts its system as new patterns emerge. So enjoy. As machine learning continues, they actually adapt their systems. But we don't do that because we're like, oh, that's out of my field. Yeah. Or, or like we have to take 20 years to get to that thought, yeah. you know? Like these computers are thinking one in a million ideas and it's like, we don't have 1 million people thinking, how are we going to get a <laughs> one in 1 million idea when there's only two people talking about this? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's also just mm. going to hit that singularity point at some time when like, I've heard, I've heard a lot of futurists be like, go on the crazy way other end instead of being like, it's going to be helpful and take over hospitals. People be like, we will worship them as gods because people won't understand hmm. how it's so smart. And it's, but it's <laughs> going to be built off the algorithms and AI, like of the people designed based off of people. So it's going to be like a super hmm. crazy wacko thing, you know? And then like the ancient alien heads come in here and they're <laughs> like, Osiris was like an AI robot and they worshiped him. And you're like, okay, hold on. Like, that's very interesting. It's intriguing. However, like, huh? Well, you know what I find, uh, to be my favorite topic of conversation is, yeah, is combining like legends and myths and like archetypes sort of in that fluffy psychology world with technology, because if you really do, I mean, because obviously as a writer and comedian, like my bread and butter, <laughs> even though it's not very much and I barely have a career, but like your, where, your crumbs, <laughs> yeah, my crumbs where I find my living is in storytelling. But for so long, storytelling was pushed to the edge. And actually what oh, we're finding out, what we're finding out now is like storytelling is a way for like underdeveloped brains to understand internal emotions right and also to help other people understand so so many of the stories I wrote when I was a kid I go back as an adult and look and I'm like oh my god that makes sense I was dealing with this but I didn't know how to process it so I put it into fiction so sure. computers I think help us see it on instead of uh, in fragmented like parts of our lives we see everything in our lives that's ever happened as like one system because that's how computers work and it's opened my mind in a way I sound nonsensical, but the reason I want to talk no, to someone is because I want someone to check me when I'm sounding crazy. But what it's done for <laughs> me, like in the last few weeks of researching AI and computers, is it's helped me look at my own brain like a computer, which is what a fucking computer is. When we made a computer, it was meant yes. to be like a brain. And then a brain, yes. we call it the strongest computer. We forget yes. that's where we started. We totally forget when we talk about singularity. It's not that weird because we literally modeled computer algorithms after neural networks, which is, you know what, the, uh, even fucking crazier thing. Here you go. The brain is just an organ that discovered what it was and then named itself, found its place yeah. in the universe and then named that. And now is trying to replicate itself. Yeah. And it's just like so cool to me because the brain totally is just like a binary system. I mean, mm -hmm. think about a computer, right? It's binary. It's one or zero. It's on or off. It's always just one or one or the other. So like, when you give it power, how does the computer know to turn on? Do you mm. know what I mean? Like there's but certain the, but things they're not in there always, you're like, right? wait I, a minute. I feel you know? like a lot of um, newer tech, it's not all binary. But I know what you mean because I think that's the advantage we have over like 
computers right now presently i'm sure in the future it'll change but that we don't th that we don't have to think in the binary even though a lot of humans do yeah. like we often think it's i versus the world like for example if i really wanted it could be as it's simple very as American a American idea too. It's a very American idea. <laughs> yeah, but also the opposite isn't exactly right either. It's not just versus. It's not just I versus the world or give up myself for the world. Like, the world isn't binary. Yeah. Like there are these weird. I mean, this is the dumb example I use on the last podcast with Jake. But like, if you were in a traditional marriage back in the day where you thought like a hetero marriage where you know a woman and a man and uh, you're not supposed to cheat and somehow some you know ex showed up and was trying to take your man. The binary thought might be like, I don't want that. I want him not to cheat, but she exists. So now it's just me versus her or whatever. But then there's this mm. other in between where you're like, I don't want her. She, there's three of us. She wants him, but does she want him or does she want to make me mad? Like now you can start to consider like, what's her goal here? Is, does she have competition issues or is she in love with him? Is he in love with her? Does he just want to fuck? Like, then you can start tearing this apart into like, well, I want him not to sleep with her, but I want her to leave us alone. So she won't if I, so then you can start to act. I mean, like it sounds so crazy, but this is what com we made computers be able to do is we tell them what kind of outcome we want and they optimize mm -hmm. the best way. Whereas mm -hmm. our dumb little brains think from the beginning, like, well, if I don't want him to cheat, then I just have to say no, no, no. But if my goal is for us to be in a loving marriage and trust each other, is there a world where I say, hey, what do you want here? Do you like her? I, I, I can tell you that I don't want you to sleep with her, but if this feels like a thing, is there a world? Like, there's now nuance that's yeah. not binary, and it's not about you achieving this single-minded goal, except that's how we are seeing the world now, but computers... Does this make sense? This is why I was like, I need to talk no, to somebody. I, because... <laughs> the, the issue with me is that I happen... I, I tend to be a very binary person. I went uh, in my logical thinking. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, because I, I think I was raised by engineers, so I do I do strip things down and think like that. Like it's it really is to me like the world is built binarily, but like in the atom sense. Like I'm not saying there's mm -hmm. like a black and white and a one of each. Like atoms, like negative, not positive. You continue to, exactly. There's a negative and the positive. There's energy or there's not energy. You're awake or you're asleep. You know. And so I yeah. understand there's those, but there could also be a third. Like. Yeah. What if love or like imagination actually is a third thing? And that's just like a sense that we can't tune into anymore because mm. we have certain parts of the neurons in our brains firing off and other ones have gone completely cold since ancient times. Like, well, you're talking about dreaming can... in a way, right? Because you said awake and asleep yes. and dreams yeah. are kind mm -hmm. of in between and yeah. dreams are this, you know, represent manifestation of our subconscious wants and needs. And process, it's also both um, the logical part of your brain too because it processes mm -hmm. what you experience into information that you can d use. Number three. Oh my goodness, this is from November 2020. Not that long ago, but I talked to James the third. Um, we, I've been trying to get him on this pod forever, so it was really cool to be able to get him on this year. Um, he is so so funny but we share a lot of the same sensibilities when it comes to like absurdist plays and pop culture and nerd i hate saying nerd them but like truly i don't know how else to describe it except that it's just this mix of being i can tell we had similar um things that we liked when we were kids but um we talked about uh how to sort of reprogram yourself by rewarding yourself for good behavior which 
is harder to do than just taking the shortcut, but over time it really pays off. And I think it speaks a lot to the themes that I've explored this year. So enjoy. Pay in installments. My, like I still needed to pay on, they were like long, I like owed the school money mm -hmm. and like I couldn't register until I paid the school back. There was like all, there was a lot of like money yeah. stuff happening. But then once I was able to like clear that up, um, and then it was like, oh yeah, now I feel like I have like a, a few dollars to actually pay for, for mm -hmm. school, um, you know, and just wanted to like, I wanted to show my mom the degree and I wanted to be like, yeah, I, I finished that one class. I, I actually, all of this money wasn't for nothing. You know? <laughs> well, that is nice. Cause there is something nice about checking something off, even if you know, like, okay, I don't have to. Yeah. How At did this you... point it didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, 2017, it didn't matter to have a BFA in acting anymore, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't think it ever really mattered. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but it, it, what it, it mattered at the time, you know, 2008, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. to have a BFA in acting that, that point it would have meant something and sure. I would have felt like I accomplished this thing, yes, you know, for you. But I, I, yeah, I think I'm saying more like I have a BFA in screenwriting and it has never mattered. <laughs> to any, right. Yes. Any, no. uh, any place uh, yeah, that no, I'm I trying to work. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, how did you feel when you finished this class? Really good. I felt so good. I felt like I was like, wow, I'm actually I couldn't believe that I was reading James Joyce and enjoying myself because of the, be, just because of the, of the other class, like being so disinterested yeah. at that time. Um, and then like, just to be done, uh, felt, it just felt like a, uh, great to finally, to finally do it and finally have that, like to not have that. I like stopped having those. I mean, I still have them sometimes, but like for a really long time, I was having those, like, you didn't finish middle school dreams like oh, uh -huh. something is left oh, something something something's left on your middle school report that you didn't do and you didn't fit you know like wow. i was like i would i would have these really weird you know your dreams subconscious like that. was telling you it's like hey <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like me as an adult going back to middle school and sitting in classes oh with like God. a bunch of children, you know, like I just, but That's I. That's an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, exactly. Just pitch the reboot. No, Holy <laughs> Madison. Um, that's really cool. I think in a weird way, I, I feel like quarantine has, because I've been spending so much time alone, I've in a weird way been like, I call it reprogramming. That sounds like a cult thing, but I swear I'm not about to have you join a cult. But I've been reprogramming myself in that, like, I also have, like, these, like, negative patterns from childhood and a lot of things where I feel like things, I have no choice or it has to be this way. And then I've slowly, because I have more time, started to, you know, tackle one at a time. But the feeling you describe of, like, that, like, that good feeling, that's, like, a positive pattern that over time when you have more of those of, like, oh, doing something that was hard and then feeling good about it, it starts to be exciting to do the, do it the next time. Like even when mm -hmm. it's hard, you're like, Oh, I remember that feeling at the end of it. So those moments actually help. Um, I feel like in a way reprogram you to want to like do all the stuff you want to do. And then all the things you don't want to do, it's easier for you to draw the line and be like, no, I don't want to do this. Not cause I it's don't want to do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it actually helps like eliminate these like, the, the sort of outside pressure where you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or what I'm supposed to do. It starts to give your, like that feeling you said of finding yourself or knowing who you are. You start mm -hmm. to find that in those moments, I think. All right, number two clip. We're down to the final two. 
This is with Clara Janover, who is not a comedian, but I, th I actually think she's very funny, so she might be a comedian by the time this comes out. But um, she was a TikTok star, star TikToker, content creator, if you guys remember, who was doxxed. I thought her story was so interesting that I reached out to her. I wanted to talk to her more in depth. Um, it was very nuanced because, you know, it's she wasn't asking to be in the public eye, but then she was, and then she made the most of it, I think. And now I think she really is ha having to be in the public eye, and I it, it's interesting watching that transition. Um, but we got into um, a really interesting conversation about sort of how to fit into other people's expectations when you know there's no way to win, like especially around being an Asian woman in media because you're sort of expected to act one way, but if you don't, you're wrong. But then if you act the way you're expected, it's almost like you're trying to fit into like, so it's just, I don't know. She says it really well. She did go to Harvard. I did not. Um, but it made me see the way I approached presentation in my twenties in a different way. Um, so yeah, that's this enjoy, but I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I've had, but there's definitely, I would say like 10 years ago was kind of thing where there was a cool girl sort of motif where it was cool to not complain even when everyone knew something was fucked up and I think that applied to being an Asian woman online too because it was almost like fun to just make fun of like over sexualized Asian girls to be like I get why you guys don't like them I'm not like that instead of going wait why do we do that that's kind of a fucked up thing you know we're making fun of women who get sex sex trafficked as like a punchline in like movies and it's like huh that might be kind of weird <laughs> something that like i realized but it wasn't really until this all came together in the past two weeks really that i was like holy i don't know if i can swear holy yeah, you can darn. <laughs> like i fully didn't realize how the power structures of like patriarchy white supremacy heteronormativity nationalism what they do is they set social norms of acceptability, mm. right? So like they create premises of likability, which for so long has been the easygoing, chill, quiet, shrunken girl. But mm. we don't realize that. Like we don't realize that we embody that when we say like, oh, like I'm going to like eat a hot dog when I'm around my guy friends because <laughs> like I don't care about diet culture or, you know, like she's like a little crazy, like that mm -hmm. girl's crazy, but I'm not like her, you know, and that takes time to unlearn because these systems of power, what they do is they modify the norms. And so anyone who speaks out against that or anyone who dares defy that, whether it be intentionally or not, mm -hmm. their very existence threatens that supremacy and that power structure. So when you have, you know, outspoken demanding Asian women who are simultaneously hypersexualized and desexualized in all mm. of media and society like we're someone that should be submissive but we're also non-threatening at the same time yeah you know but we're also like never going to be beautiful enough for a man to want to marry but mm. we're always going to be like sexy enough for them to want to have sex with you know and it's like all of these double standards and like incongruencies that we never acknowledge because we try to fit into like white culture and mm -hmm. male culture that is one of those things that like I haven't really had the time to deconstruct until recently when I'm like holy crap all these people that are you know doxers or intimidators mm -hmm. what they do is they like tell girls to shut up they say I'm gonna kill you they say I'm mm -hmm. gonna rape you they say what the heck are you doing in the spotlight? And it feeds into this broader concept of white supremacy and masculine supremacy or patriarchy maintaining itself by shutting up 
anyone who speaks out through these like very normal structures of like, well, she's crazy. She's Mm -hmm. dangerous. She's hysterical. She's, you know, just all of these things that we see and we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like a crying woman is like emotionally irrational when reason and emotion don't have to be mutually exclusive, but we've created it as such. And then we automatically pin this like hysterical emotion onto women. Like their anger is never valid well I, I i mean it's funny because i think hysteria used to be something a long time ago they used to diagnose women with but like they would say uh i mean it was also not in all cases but it was a euphemism also for a woman who like weren't getting satisfied in bed which is so funny it's for a man to literally blame a woman for not making her come be like wow you're so hysterical um i can't satisfy you but i guess you need to go to the doctor because you're so crazy because i'm so bad in bed All right, our final clip. Wow, we made it. How are you guys doing? This is the final clip. And I chose this as the final clip because this might have been the last episode I recorded before we went into lockdown. I was in New York City for a wedding, RIP being in big crowds, literally the last weekend of February, right before we went into lockdown. And um, I talked to Anya Voltz. Uh, and this was just a, such a fun conversation. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's the, one of the, my favorite episodes. But in this part, we talked about how to discover your relationship with yourself. And I really love what Anya had to say about like accepting her own flaws uh, as if she's her, in her own family. Sort of like, you know, when you are mad at someone in your family, you don't kick them out. And so it was really interesting. And yeah, we get a little hippy-dippy about it, but um, I think it's fun. So enjoy. (laughs) It kind of goes back to your tweet. Even though your tweet was about relationships with other people, like I think, yeah, uh, I mean, this is so like LA hokey, but like (laughs) I think the relationship with yourself is one of the most important relationships. And you do kind of have to think of it as like another person sometimes. Yeah. Um, And I think what you said about other people applies to yourself. Like, is also very popular to self-deprecate and shit on ourselves. It's sometimes funny, and I do it too. <laughs> but you're also you're also doing the same thing where you're like, oh, what if I'm having a healthy relationship with myself and like, yeah, allowing myself it's to prosper. So funny that you say that because one of my biggest breakthroughs that I've had since I've like started making my mental health more of a priority, um, which I actually got th- this breakthrough at like a hippie like um, Reiki group <laughs> hypnosis thing at my yoga studio. Which hey. Cool. That's something that not just people who live in LA can say, <laughs> all right? Um, it's also some hokey Brooklyn shit. But I do, I like enjoy those things, especially at my yoga studio. It's like a pretty like self-aware and like pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, there's no Kool-Aid being passed, uh-huh. it feels. Um, so it's just like kind of a fun thing to do. But there was a group hypnosis where they, they like had us like meet ourselves in a mirror and like the mirror (laughs) turned into like a doorway and like our like you know yourself steps through and is now like hanging out with you and like in this scene that they made and it it was you know I don't think I actually was hypnotized because I kept having to like force myself to Uh like like okay what was the scene again where are we but I was able to kind of take away from the exercise um a pretty profound breakthrough of like thinking of myself as like just a person in the world and like how I would, how I would feel about me if I met me just Mm, out on the streets. (laughs) Um, And I was like, Oh, I like her. She's cool. 
That's great. And it was like a really interesting moment of like how hard, and this is such a cliche. Everyone says this, but I'm like so much harder on myself than I am mm-hmm. like anybody else. And I am yeah. just, I am just anybody else, you know, yeah. like I'm not, it's like, I'm not special <laughs> not to say it like, um, in a, no, I know what you mean though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like you hold yourself to these high standards because you feel like you have to because you're yeah. the only, but then it's like you're in the world and you're allowed to just like live. Yeah. You know, like you and, yeah. and like, I, I just, I ended up carrying with me since that, um, like a real profound sense of like empathy for myself and oh. a really profound sense of like true self love and not like, um, the, the like self love that I feel like social media kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> promotes, mm-hmm. which is like still healthy. I think it is good to like, you know, be like, I like my body, but that's not, yeah, you know, like the, the, the it seems very superficial the way we talk about self love usually. And I like actually see myself as like a family member who can like kind of do no wrong, but I'll still hold accountable if I do mm-hmm. do something wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I love you no matter what, but we still want you to be the best yeah. version of what you can be. And I like, that is like not how I was treating myself <laughs> at all before that. Um, and I think therapy helped me get to the point of being able to do that. So I'm not going to be like, oh. Reiki got me there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it just happened to happen in that space. But, um, it's kind of like, uh, do you ever do self-parenting or have you worked with that at all? I, I haven't, I've read about it, but I've never, um, done anything with it i've done a bit of it like my therapist told me about it but yeah i mean you it's it's exactly what it sounds like it's just kind of like giving yourself that like parental love that if you didn't have it or even if you did as an adult if they're not around it's just like being like a nurturing person to yourself yeah but it's sort of like that because i think the parental love should be unconditional and you know it might not be the case for everyone's reality but i think you can always give that to yourself so if you find yourself being hard on yourself i think it's good to be like okay i'm gonna love myself unconditionally doesn't mean i don't want the best you know like you want the best for your children you want them to live in the world and be successful but you can also know when to back off and be like you know what my kid's hurting like or I'm hurting right now yeah and maybe it's not the time to push maybe it's the time to yeah. just be healing you know yeah a good example is I have pretty major depressive episodes where I like kind of just like cannot get out of bed for a couple of days mm-hmm. or you know I can literally get mm-hmm. out of bed but the, the mind state of not getting out of bed um and I used to be really hard on myself and think of myself as like a fuck up and a failure for mm for living like that um when when I would get to those um points and now when it happens it's only happened one time since then but I I noticed that the way I looked at it instead of being like oh my god you idiot you Mm. lazy dumbass like you know (laughs) like my my self-talk was really different and instead I was kind of thinking of it as like if this is what you need right now if you Mm. need to rest then like you should absolutely do that um but I think you feel worse when you do this. Oh, that's so, yeah. What a, like, <laughs> what a nice way to put it. And wow. like, so like, uh-huh. like maybe like go for a walk or like uh-huh. maybe like see what your friends are doing tonight. And like, um, like you don't have to be productive today. You don't have to like uh-huh. get anything done. Um, if, but like, I don't think laying around is going to make you feel better. <laughs> so like, what are some, what are the things, you know, make you feel better? And like, that's, that's never like the coolest how I, mom. I know, just like, yeah. what and do you need, honey? Like yeah. you can lie in bed as long as you like, but like, I just don't think know, it's, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> can I get you any soup? And to be honest, that is kind of what my mom is like. Um, so it is, it's kind of, 
it's interesting that like mm. I literally did have a mom like that and it still took me this long to talk to myself that way. But hey, you know what? Uh, well, it's <laughs> Life hard is hard. <laughs> well, society, I mean, I have been like society has a blanket statement, but I do think, especially living in New York, we do place value on like being hard on ourselves and bit tough love, but sometimes it can be toxic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something you said made me think, like I hadn't thought about this way, but you said something about uh, maybe, oh, I don't remember the exact word, but before you said the right way, like the idea of like just instead of being like, oh, you fucking dig. You're yeah, so yeah, yeah. Because if you were with someone like that in a relationship, if someone treated you like that, you would probably be like, mm, I don't want to be with this person. Like, yeah. They're calling me a loser for being sad. Like I'm going to leave. Yeah. So why would you be in a relationship with yourself? Oh my gosh. Like that, right? Like <laughs> get the fuck we're, out of we're, there. We're breaking ground here. <laughs> Yeah, get the fuck out of there. Find a better partner. It's so true. It's so, I mean, it is such a cliche. Like as soon as you start um, making like real progress with your um, mental health and your emotional health, it's uh, it's so funny how many cliches are true. And Uh you're like, God, people have been saying this to me for like years and I keep like rolling my eyes at it. And then like, but when I realize it, it's genius. Okay, that's it. That has been the clip show of 2020. Thank you so much for listening to all my confidants. You guys are the best. You can always write me at tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com. Um, follow me online at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram. Join my OnlyFans if you want to, um, especially if you like this pod. I'm going to get more into like mental health and more serious matters on that. It's OnlyFans.com slash Teresa Lee. Um, and the music you heard was created by, it's my voice and created by Young Heartbreak, who's a very lovely producer. You can check out his beats and songs online. Um, and we wrote this together about <laughs> my heart. Um, so I'm going to play it to go out on. Uh, I think it's a good way to end 2020. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, it's weird. Okay. So it, uh, don't say I didn't warn you, but this is me, my heart talking to me, um, produced by Young Heartbreak. All right. Goodbye, guys. I've just been pumping every day. And you know what? I'm, I'm, you know what? I have also been here every day. I am tired of hearing about this girl. This girl, she said she was born broken, and she really fucked shit up. And then she's all, she has the audacity to say that, like, you know what? You, you pulled me out of the grave. I wasn't supposed to be around. I had a happy life. I was a defective heart, and I was about to go to the grave. And then I was about to start all over. And then you pulled me back out to pump. The rest of my life, can you imagine if you were about to retire and then all of a sudden, someone was like, good news, you're going to work for 60 more years. Bitch, what? This heart, it was like, fine, I'll fucking do it, I'll fucking do it, I'll fucking live. Pump the blood. And then, and then, I pump the blood. And then, Teresa has the audacity to like, not even understand or be grateful for being alive. It's like, what the fuck? You literally sewed me back up. Do you understand what it's like to be like, I'm done, thank you, good night. Walk off the stage, the audience is clapping for you. You just killed, you have a killer set. You are about to get, go back to hang out with your homies, get drunk, get wasted, and get high, and then all of a sudden, the audience is like, no, just kidding, you gotta stall because our headliner dropped. And you gotta do 40 more minutes? Do you know that feeling? That's what you That's what you guys did to me, the heart. I'm speaking as if I'm the heart. It was literally like, thank you, good night, I did my job. I was just the opener, I'm good. I'm gonna go hang out at the bar, maybe get a Caesar salad. 
maybe maybe take an Uber back to my shitty hotel and maybe like watch some TikToks. That's the end of that, and I'll catch an 8 a.m. flight because I'm cheap on Spirit Airlines with my one carry-on luggage. Go to LAX, wait 45 minutes for an Uber, pay $80 to go back to Hollywood, and then go home and be like, I'm done. But it, all of a sudden, but all of a sudden, you're like the headliner drop. You gotta do 40 minutes, and then you know what I realized? I realized that all this time they knew I could do 40 minutes. You know what I realized? Because they knew I could do 40 minutes, and they didn't pay me to do 40 minutes. And they realized, I realized that in that moment they knew that I could do 40 minutes. They didn't pay me to do 40 minutes. They're not going to pay me to do 40 minutes. They're gonna be like, she better feel lucky that she got to do 40 minutes when she was just the opener. And you know what that means? Me as the heart. As the heart knows that this whole time, I was a good fucking heart, and they were trying to be like, you suck, and they fixed me, and I'm still me, and I'm still beating this heart beat, and I'm still making her walk her feet, and I'm still making her live her fucking life like she needs to eat every day, but she doesn't stop, even though she's always like, I'm so tired, I just wish it would all go away. She doesn't though, right? She could literally make it stop. She knows how it works. We've all read the books. We understand how life works, but she doesn't. And yet she has the audacity to tell me that she doesn't know why life sucks. Well, you know why it sucks? Because you weren't supposed to have it. So if you're going to have it, just fucking enjoy it, bitch. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Nicole. And we're the hosts of the comedy podcast, Dude, That's Fucked Up. Join us every Wednesday for an irreverent discussion on topics such as light cannibalism, all of the Donner Party, JFK's meth dependency, cryptid fanfic, and even pubes. It's available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to DTFUPodcast.com for more information. You know what's not fucked up? This podcast, you butthole. Eee. This has been a hoo-ha-ha podcast.